بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, inspire, inspire us with that which is most beneficial for all of us to hear and allow myself and all of us to be able to put that into practice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up the, uh, the meanings and the asrar and the secrets of the Qur'an for all of us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you and I, all of us, lifelong students of the Qur'an. May He allow us every single day to spend time reading, reciting, reflecting and making an effort to practice on, on uh, the verses of the Qur'an. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not allow our sins to become a means of us being deprived from the, from the benefits of the Qur'an, from the barakat of the Qur'an, from the nur of the Qur'an. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. May he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept these sacrifices of all of you for coming here and those who are listening online for your uh, istiqama and steadfastness. And may he continue to bless us with istiqama and steadfastness. Ameen. The story of Ahzab is what we and began uh, covering last week. And it is definitely a very long um, portion of the surah is dedicated to that. Uh, and there's, you know, yesterday, last week I went over the translation of half of the verses related to the topic. And inshallah, some, some of the... Um, Stories related to this, inshallah, I would like to share today. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ayah 9 said, Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings upon you. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing upon you when the army came. So, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this battle and saying, Remember Allah's blessing upon you tells us that. Even in the most difficult situations that a person thinks like, wait, what's there to remember about that? You know, something, some horrible incident, some difficult incident happens in your life. And you might not think that there's something to consider and reflect. But there always is something. There's always something that you can learn from a lesson. The most difficult night, maybe you're, someone got stranded, someone got locked out, someone went through some type of other type of difficulty. And thinking about... That those incidents will make you realize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing is in every situation. Islam does not present only a, uh, you know, principles or, or, or hypothetical scenarios or situations or uh, belief system. But, but instead, along with that belief system, Islam gives us a very practical application of that belief system. So during the life of the Prophet wasallam, there you'll see in the seat of the Prophet wasallam a perspective of iman and aqidah and belief that you and I are supposed to follow and are invited towards reflecting. And then there's a very practical aspect the implementation of that aqidah, the implementation of that uh, belief, the manifestation of those principles. And so this is more of a practical example. And Nabi Wasallam's life was very practical for us to reflect and to follow, not just 
beliefs that he was inviting towards or ideas that he was inviting towards, but rather implementation of it as well. So this story of Ahzab is regarded as a very powerful story in which many aspects of Rasulullah many of the principles that he was inviting towards is being presented. If we do not see the principles being practiced and being followed through, they, don't, they lose their strength, they lose their attraction. And that's what happened to us now. May Allah forgive myself and all of us here that we speak about principles. It's very easy to use fancy words to address and to speak about the past of the Muslim Ummah and the golden principles that Islam promotes. But when it comes to our own personal lives and as a community, we sometimes fail the very basic things. And people can see through that. Non-Muslims and others see through that. And they get turned off by the fact that these very basic principles that a human being is supposed to have as Muslims and as people who claim to have the final religion, how come this is not in your life? And the reason it's not in our life is because we have thought that Islam is about speeches and Islam is about slogans and Islam is about things that we can speak about and, and, and fan, with fancy words. But when it comes to the implementation, for example, the hukuk of one another, the rights of one another, for example, the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these things we know as a community and individually I know my, about myself, that we are extremely, extremely lacking. And so hope, hopefully by reading through the seerah of Rasulullah through the tafsir of the Qur'an and especially stories like this, this revives within you and I the desire to start taking what's written in the books and putting it into our lives. What we know from in our mind to put into our, our life. That's what we need to do. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was the source or he was, he, he was the source of sharia for us. He explained to us what Allah says. He explained to us himself what Quran is saying. So the Prophet statements are Sharia. The Prophet actions are Sharia. And just like Rasulullah's statements explain the Book of Allah, similarly his actions also explain his statements. His actions also explain his statements. And then you'll see how the companions of the Prophet further explained the Prophet statements. So they're all in line with each other. The book of Allah, then the statements of the Prophet ﷺ, the actions of the Prophet ﷺ, and then the statements and the actions of the Sahaba. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, remember that day when, when Allah's help came to you and the armies came, it, it is a food for thought for all of us that every Muslim here sitting listening to me and who will listen later on can probably pinpoint a day in your life. Pinpoint a day in your life when you say, that's the day when I knew Allah existed. That's the day when I knew Allah is in power. The unthinkable happened. The unimaginable happened. Something which I had given up hope on, but I just made dua. I saw the power of dua. I saw the manifestation of dua being accepted. Every one of us has a day like that in our life. And you and I need to think about that day often. Every time shaitan comes and tells us that you've got no hope, that nothing can happen, come on, nothing's happening. Remember that day. Remember that night. When you saw Allah's help come from unimaginable places. It's so important, my dear friends, to remember those days and nights when we saw Allah's help. And any time and every time you, you feel down, you feel, uh, you, know, you feel left out, 
you feel that no one's there for you, remember that day and night when Allah's help came through. And that will inshaAllah get your spirits up high. And to say that Allah who helped me on that such and such night is also going to help me today. So the battle of Ahzab is that battle that no other battle can, can come close to it in a sense that this is that battle when the disbelievers made niyyah not to just uh, give a little push to the, non, to the Muslims, to push them back. But instead, the goal was to completely eradicate the very existence of the Muslims. So we already had the Uhud, we, al we already had the Badr, we already had the Uhud. And now when this comes in, they said, we're not going to attack here and there. We're going to attack with full, full strength. All of us put together will come. And we're going to attack them right in their own city. Not attack them anywhere else. Attack them in their own city and completely eradicate them. And that's why the Quran uses the plural form, Junood, armies. Quraysh came, Ghatfan came, and then the Jews of Medina, Banu Qurayza came, all together. Never had there been in the recent times an army of 10,000 working together. This is the first time that 10,000 disbelievers come together hand in hand to eradicate Rasulullah and in the Ummah. And um, Allah Azza wa Jal's help in, the, in this came, it came that they never thought that they would ever lose when they, were able, when they had gathered together such forces. Al-Kufru Millatun Wahida. Disbelief at the end of the day is all one religion. Meaning, you think that Yahud are so different from the Mushrikeen. How come they're pairing up together? But when it comes to enmity towards Islam, that everyone will leave their own belief system and become allies against the Muslims. This has happened before and it's happening now. This is kind of the way it works. When it comes to uh, hatred towards Muslims, then that's a common denominator that gets people together. So at that time, also they all gathered together. They said, we are going to dis completely destroy the Muslims. So the Yahud of uh, Medina, they went out to Mecca. They traveled all the way to Mecca and they said, we want to work with you to get rid of these Muslims. Abu Sufyan, obviously at that time, who was not a Muslim, the leader of the Quraysh, one of the leaders of the Quraysh, he welcomed the Yahud, and he said, anyone who assists us in eradicating our enemies becomes our friend. And you see the same system playing out today. You'll see Muslims are harming the Muslims the most. Muslim countries, Muslim leaders are harming the Muslims the most. And what did they do with the old system? Is that anyone who is the enemy, uh, of our enemy becomes our friend. Even though you are completely at opposite ends in, in your belief system. But the fact that you don't like these people and we also, we necessarily don't like them too much. So we will assist you in eradicating them. And uh, the famous example of, the, uh, of a lion who comes and uh, he, 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 he goes to the jungle and he sees that there is a um, yellow cow and a black cow and a white cow and he tells the, he tells the um, you know the uh, white cow and the yellow cow that this black cow does you know it doesn't belong over here you have such different colors and such nice color of your skin what is it, this person here this cow rather here does not match up to your beauty does not match up to your physique so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in getting rid of him plus on top of that He's taking up space 
and eating from your food, etc. So he created a non-issue. The skin color was not an issue. He created it a non-issue into an issue and made these two cows seem superior, feel superior, and feel that this, this other third cow was taking up their space. So they fell for it. And they looked the other way and assisted the lion to come in, get rid of the black cow. He ate it up, done. Then he approached the uh, yellow cow and said that this other one does not have nearly as a beautiful skin as yours and also is a nuisance to your area of grazing. How about you look the other way and assist me also to get rid of this one. And in his greed and his desire to be the only cow around, he, he gave in. And before, before the day ended, the white cow was gone. And now it was just the remaining yellow cow alive. And the rest of the story is obvious to everyone. That the lion went up to him and there was absolutely no one to protect the yellow cow anymore. And the yellow cow was also put to an end and was eaten away. Divide and conquer. This story may be shared in different you know, ways. But the gist of it is no, the enemy is smart. The enemy will come and will create divisions within people who are really the same. Really the same. Not, not a major difference at all compared to the difference that exists between the attacked and the attacker. Between us and the enemy. The small differences are nothing compared to the outsiders. But the enemy will create these differences and make them feel like they're so huge and make them fight one another. And the whole purpose of it is that you remain busy fighting with each other so that I can get rid of a portion of you. And before you know it, I've gotten rid of everyone. My dear brothers, this story is playing out in our lives every day. Every day the Muslim Ummah, from an international standpoint, is so focused on fighting with each other. Is so focused on uh, spending their money on defense budgets and uh, in protecting their borders from one another. And all sorts of other things. And they're building alliances with others in order to protect their own borders and protect their own assets from a third person, third Muslim. Little did they know that at the end, it's, they're going to be the yellow cow. Who's going to like them, man? They're just being used. Everyone is being used. And the fools don't understand that we're all being used. <coughs> if you, if you, if you, let, if you let your brother get killed like this, you think the enemy is going to let you l let loose? He's just using you as a vehicle to fulfill his agenda. <coughs> so, within the Muslim community, besides the international sphere, within the Muslim community, <coughs> we'll see bickering and fighting on social media and then amongst masajid, amongst deen institutions, amongst everything. This is all the ploy of shaitan. I don't say that international human powers are in play in every masjid board fighting. That's not what I'm saying. They are definitely have a share in, in big, huge fights at an international scale. But in smaller scale, they may not have necessarily, obviously, the say in that or, or not interested in that. But we have some enemy bigger than all of that, which is shaitan, Iblis. Iblis has the same thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Do not argue with one another. Do not fight with one another. Literally, is nice. Literally means you will you lose your wind, meaning your strength. You will lose all your strength once you start fighting with each other. You will lose it, and that's the end of it. If you, do, if you start looking at each other's faults and look, focusing on the minor difference amongst yourselves, 
The enemy is just waiting to eradicate all of you. Wasbiru, rather remain patient in Allah Masabirin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who are patient. My beloved brothers, we do not have the time to argue amongst one another. As factions, groups, people with differing opinions, there are definitely multiple opinions on any issue of, of, of fiqh. But if it's not an issue that takes a person out of the fold of Islam, then we should not make it into an issue. And, uh, and I'm, we are all evolving, we're all understanding. There's definitely 20 years ago, I thought differently than what I think now. And um, when, when we, you know, there, were, there, are, there are efforts within the Muslim community that I may not necessarily completely agree with. But when you look at the issue that you're losing, you're losing every day people to kufr, every day people being lost to atheism, then you have to realize that what, are we, what should we be focused on? Is it really worth it to focus on small ancillary issues and to make it such a big deal that uh, we are writing fatawa or giving speeches and lectures about this and the main issue in front, we forget about it. I don't know if I shared this about... Uh, about um, Malawi last week or not, I'm not sure. As you know, I have a good friend over there. He was telling me, you know, he asked me for some resources on some PDFs and some things. I shared it with him. I said, what's going on? He said, no, there's an Imam's council meeting and I'm going to that. I'm going to prepare to that meeting. I said, what's a discussion? He said, we're having a meeting here because all the, the people from different madahib, different backgrounds of fiqh, who lead, who, you know, from some graduate from Darul Uloom, some graduate from Egypt, some graduate from Medina University, some maybe Shafi'i, some maybe Salafi, some maybe, uh, you know, more other, in, other fiqh inclined, etc. In the villages, in the masajid, he said, you know, we have a problem. Some people, they, their whole masjid, the imam makes a salah, the ijtima'i dua, collective dua. Like, you know, masajid over here, some place, the collective. Other masajid, they will not do it, okay. But they won't do it, but then they will say, this is very wrong, unacceptable, and give a whole talk on it. Then there's some masajid that you might, for example, say Ameen out loud behind the Imam. Others will not do it. Okay, fine. But then there's speaking against one another. There'll be some masajid that are follow same issues like we have here. Which Hilal do you follow? Do you follow the sighting in Saudi? Do you follow the sighting in locally? And these issues are taken away from resources. We are sitting there and masajid focused on, you know, pushing their opinion and kind of say that's wrong, that's wrong. And so he said, we are trying to have a meeting in which we can say, let's stop speaking about these issues. Let's stop, you know, discussing these issues and focus on the bigger issue. Now, subhanAllah, and that same conversation I had with him, he told me, he lives in a village. And he told me, I went to a, even a, a smaller village in which there is no electricity, no running water, no pop and, and drinks, no cold drinks, nothing of that sort. Even Pepsi hasn't reached there yet. He said, I go there to visit my grandmother. When I went to go visit my grandmother far away from a place where he'd never even stay there, he said he saw a big you know, four SUV coming through. And um, he thought, what is this SUV doing over here? And out of the SUV, a Caucasian man steps out. Along with him is a local. So, and right outside of his grandmother's home. So he ran. He had a feeling that's not good. He ran over there and he looked at who this African person is and he was a distant relative of his who had become murtad who had left Islam and become a Christian. And he was with him was this Caucasian person. So he started speaking to him in English. That man started responding to him in the local dialect, local language. He's like, whoa, okay. So he said, you, what do you, he asked him, what do you want me to speak to you in English or the local Malawian language? He said, no, I speak to you in the local language. He said, where are you? Who are you? Where do you come from? He said, I came from America. I came from, you know, from the United States. 
And uh, he said, what are you possibly doing over here? I don't even come here. I just happen to keep my, how, what are you doing over here? He said, no, we came to just, you know, meet the people and this, that. He was hiding, of course, what he had come for. But he had obviously come to, you know, speak about Christianity. So eventually, you know, he's like, yeah, I just want to come meet the people and this and that. And, uh, but the guide, he realized this guide was an ex-Muslim. He was going around to visit people, invite them to his Christianity. So he asked him, do you stay here? Or how do you stay here? He said, yeah, I eat the normal food, the pop, the pop, they call it. It's like a type of a, a grain, very, very, very simple, plain food. You know, you eat it once and that's it. But these, these villagers eat this every single day, you know, twice a day. And uh, he said, I eat this, I sleep over here. And we've been here for I don't know how many months. But we're going village to village spreading Christianity. So he said, subhanAllah, you know, he was so lucky that he, didn't, he, he got there right before they got to, the, to his grandma's house. And the grandma, their old lady, she doesn't know any better. She just thought, oh, this is, uh, you know, some ex distant relative wants to come over and wants to stay at my house and wants to use my base to do some work. Bichari, she doesn't know anything. Masum, innocent lady. No idea that what her house was going to be used as a base for spreading, you know, this falsehood amongst the Muslims. So he's saying this is happening all in a day. You have people bickering amongst each other that which, whether you should do dua collectively out loud or not. This is wrong or this is right. Whether you should follow Hilal, this one or that. And here you go. People all over from America coming spreading Christianity over here. So this is an exact manifestation of what I'm speaking about. Right? That we, we, we need to understand what are the main issues. We cannot be focused on smaller issues and get so upset and riled about it while, you know, we're being surrounded from all directions and we're losing our youth and so forth. Adults and everyone's being lost. So uh, this is uh, effort we all need to make. What is right? We're not, I'm not saying we start saying chalta, everything's fine. No. But if this is something that is not the end of the world, then do not make it into the end of the world. Someone's raising his hands, making dua. Someone's doing, reciting out loud. Someone is uh, following even, you know, uh, this or that. Smaller issues. Someone's following Hanafi madhab. Someone's following Shafi'i madhab. Someone's feeling some, some other madhab, etc. These are not issues, beloved brothers and sisters, that we make it into such a strong point uh, that we feel like we cannot pray salah behind that person we cannot go to that masjid this is what's happening right here as we speak it's so, it's so sad for me to say this but this is happening right here there are people who live a mile away will never come to this masjid have never come yet and I hear this from brothers have never come they said no this is the, the masjid of the grave worshippers subhanallah I don't know which grave they see over here but this is what this is the masjid of the mushrikeen. This is the masjid of Fulan. All sorts of ajeeb accusations. And that, that mentality, that ridiculous hardcore, I don't know, it's not even, this is false, this is batil, this is accusations. But beyond that, that type of mentality is, um, uh, is, is hurting us and is getting into our younger kids too. Maybe not to that level, but still there. Some, some, some uh, imma and some mashayikh or not, let me just say they're not Hanafi. They tell, but who cares, right? It doesn't make a difference. But they're telling me that whenever we're sitting with a group of youth and we mention your name or we mention the fact that we just met you, the people get shocked. Oh my God, how did you meet him? How did you speak to him? How, why do you speak to them, etc. You know? So this is the type of mentality that if your person has a certain type of fiqh or a certain type of uh, understanding of the deen, then he needs to only stick around with that and you're not allowed to meet anyone else so this is what I'm, I, I'm asking you all to refrain from and realize that as long as a person from Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah 
we will pray in their masjid, we will listen to, you know, we'll attend their khutbah, and we'll, do, you know, we'll absolutely not harbor enmity. You do not need to do everything that the other person does. You can follow your own teachers, you can follow your own mashayikh, you can follow whatever fiqh you've studied, no problem. No one's telling you to force you to change and give up. That should not be what is being, that should never be asked from you. But respect differences. And let us not use social media. It's the worst part. Do not use social media to express your, uh, you know, disagreement. Do not use social media to express your disagreement about certain imams, certain groups, certain masajid, etc. All we're doing is we're giving flame to the fire. And we're being utilized. And we're being used by outside factions. I think I have mentioned over here, Mufti Muhammad ibn Adam Kothari, who came here, visited us a few times, mentioned that a person can one day confessed to him and said how he felt really guilty and really bad about what he had been doing. He said, what happened? Mufti Muhammad ibn Adam made a whole post on the online. You can read it, you know, about five, six years ago or four years ago. He made a post on Facebook about this. He said, the person came and confessed and said, you know, I feel so bad of how much disagreement and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, and how much ikhtilaf I have placed within the, within the hearts of the Muslims. He said, how did you do that? You know, this is the, you know, they have the chat groups and, and whatever other various things like that where people, you know, based on a certain mentality, gather together. He said, I was given assignments. Go into a certain group, let's say, of, of Salafis. And we want you to act like you're a Barelwi. Read up all on Bareilwiism and go attack Salafism over there. After I do my job, a stint of one month and causing so much corruption and anger and frustration and hatred about each other, then I back out, I change my identity, and I was, I'm being told now, you have to go act like a Salafi amongst a Bareilwi group. And then I go do that my next assignment. Then after that, I go third assignment, a third group, go, go bash another group. And he said, I would just stir up so much conversation, hatred and anger within the Muslims on these online forums. Paid for by the government. He was a hired spy, an agent of the government, who eventually, after many years or months of doing this work, felt guilty about what he had done and came to confess to Mufti Zab. So how many hundreds of agents like that are there causing this corruption within the ummah? Make sure you don't become one of those agents. You might not be paid. <laughs> you get paid by shaitan maybe, but you know not to say you're going to get a check in the mail. But shaitan uses us. Imam Ghazali rahmatullah in subhanallah writes this in Bidayat al-Hidayah, the book that you, all of us have probably studied here in the masjid and class. Imam Ghazali rahmatullah says shaitan sometimes he deceives a person. He makes him misuse the tongue. He makes him misuse the tongue. How does he do that? He says, He tells a man, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Be loud, be vocal, and speak the truth. And he says, he's making you speak the truth to a group of people who are not going to accept it. Who don't want to listen to it. But they're Muslims, but they don't want to listen to what you're saying. By forcing you to speak up and be vocal and be hard, the purpose of it is to simply break the hearts of the people, make them hate you, and make you hate them. They will never come right. But instead of getting along with one another, now you don't speak to one another. You don't each enter each other. Look at Pakistan. Look at, look at where, parts of you know, where I've studied over there and see, subhanAllah, one choke, one intersection, four different masjids. Four different masjids at one intersection. And this is, this is true. The hatred you'll find amongst the factions, the groups, is more hatred than anyone finds for their genuine, like a non-Muslim. This level of hatred we shouldn't even have for non-Muslim. Is the hatred you'll find amongst the four masajid people on four sides of this intersection. 
so this is a very sad point that we cannot allow that type of stuff to come over here. You hear Mulana Tariq Shimasab always speaking about people getting along. And um, you wonder, like, why is he always speaking about this? Because that's what he has in front of him. He sees this. All life he's been seeing this factionalism that is destroying the fabric of the ummah, that is causing, you know, that's making so much you know, infighting and killing, that has ruined Pakistan and Afghanistan and all this. So he's trying to address that issue, subhanAllah. And may Allah put effect in his words and allow people to understand. So we also, my dear beloved listeners, need to be careful that we do not get utilized by shayateen. Uh, and so what did what Imam Ghazali says? Imam Ghazali says that this is shaitan who says, speak the truth, speak out loud. And he's, he's using your tongue for his agenda. And you're thinking, I'm going to speak the truth, I'm going to prove my point. But when you're doing this, you're actually, be, you're actually subhanAllah working for shaitan. So there are people online who are always bashing people. That is not the work of deen. This is not the method of our ulama. It really is not. And none of us should get excited about this and say, oh, this is how it is. We like this stuff. People like to, you know, call out people and people, especially the youth, they love this type of stuff. Like, oh man, this is cool, this song. They like this type of drama. Right? So the online drama is something that is not the method of our mashayikh. That is not the way. Anytime you have an issue with someone, go visit them in their masjid. Go speak to them face to face. Call them, fly there, go speak to them. This is exactly what our Hazrat did. They would have huge differences, but they would never air it out there. The, the, this is the, what they call the laundry of the house. You don't want to air it outside. You take care of it amongst, amongst yourselves. If there's a person who's mulhid, kafir, zindiq, someone who's using the Islamic agenda, Islam as a, as a, as a, as a, as a vehicle to spread completely, absolutely un-Islamic beliefs and create doubts within the minds of the people regarding the Quran and Sunnah and the usul al-deen, that's a different thing. Then without making personal attacks, very academically focus on the academic points and deconstruct that instead of making personal attacks. So may Allah have mercy upon us. This is hurting us a lot right now. This is hurting us a lot. We need to, we need to help. I need all of you to work towards this, to build relationships with Masajid. And if you pray here, you pray somewhere else, work on building these relationships. It shouldn't be that I belong to such Masjid. This is killing us. This is happening here, 2021 in Lombard. I belong to this masjid, I belong to that masjid. By all the masajid are ours. You can have one local masjid, but you pray everywhere. Right? It should not be ajib to say, oh, what are you doing over here? Why is he not over there? How, how different? We, just, we don't have AK-47s. Otherwise, what's the difference between us and those brothers in Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iraq killing each other? Say about them. We look down upon them and say, look at these people kill each other. We don't have guns. If we had guns, we'd probably do the same thing. Because the heart is filthy. The heart is filled with this misunderstandings, hatred, jealousy, all of these type of evil diseases. And there's no reality to it. The people, the, the youth don't even know and the adults also don't even know what are the differences. It's just been passed down to say they're different. But what, okay, you can't go there. We complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to bring our hearts together and uh, allow us to work together as a community and not allow these differences to come, small minute differences to come between us. So here we go. This all started off with the Yehud going to Makkah. And they said, you know, we, we, can, we can put our differences aside, but we need to work together to get rid of the Muslims. So the, Mus the Mush Mushrikeen were one step ahead. They said, no problem. We'll, let, we'll work with you, but we need to see some commitment from you. So what commitment do you want? We want a commitment that you will also follow our religion. We want you to worship our idols. Make sujood right now. But you're Jews. 
You're the people of the book. You believe in Musa But kaam lena hai to kuch bhi kar lenge. To get, to get work done, we'll do anything. The literally, these Yahud of Medina, they prostrated to the idols. No problem. And so basically, they don't have principles. Those, the, those individuals, and that's what the Muslims of today are doing. The Muslims of today are doing the same thing. The Muslim leaders. They don't have principles. They lost it all. Any price you're asking for, they're willing to pay, even if it means completely leaving their deen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. Have you seen the one who's made his deity as his God? Right? These people. Allah misled them although they had knowledge. Although they had knowledge, Allah misled them. And Allah subhanahu wa sealed their ears and their heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a veil over their eyes. Who can guide them after Allah has misled them? Do you not take any heed? Subhanallah. What is the ayah telling us? That knowledge itself is not sufficient to be guided. Many times we say, don't they know any better? But it's not the point about knowing. Hidayah is different, ilm is different. We should not only ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for knowledge and be content with the knowledge we have. We have to all ask Allah, Ya Allah, please give me the ability to practice and what I know is already right. We all know what's right and what's wrong. What we can't do is we cannot find the willpower to put into practice. Isn't this the case? We all know what's right and what's wrong. How many of us here sitting in this crowd seriously are lost about what's right? The issue is putting that into practice. So what the Quran is saying, have you seen the one who's made his desires his God and Allah allowed him to be misled even though he knew? That is the clear proof from the Quran that there are people who are knowledgeable, who know about the deen, yet will be misguided. their veils over the eyes, they cannot see that what I'm doing is wrong. When people try to advise them, they cannot hear. They're not willing to listen. So although this is speaking about the Yahud who ended up giving up their basic foundations of belief and worship the, or prostrated to the idols of Makkah, this ayah can be taken in a general sense as well. And then Quraysh said, O Mashal Yahud, we want to ask you a question. You have the book, you follow Musa, etc. Can you please tell us, is the deen of Muhammad better or our deen better? We, we worship idols and you know what we do. Is this better? Again, like today's leaders, are the, are, are the Muslims, the, the practicing Muslims of such and such country, are they better or are we better? If someone were to ask that, I bet you the answer would be the same. I bet you they would say, those people are too, too practicing, too fundamentalist, too focused, They're, they don't focus on the world enough. Your method of lifestyle is much better. Right? As one of the major leaders of the world was asked, what advice have you got for the Palestinians? And the answer he gave, was they should do whatever the Jews do. They should do whatever the Israelis do and they'll be successful. This is the answer of one of the most powerful Muslim leaders of the country, of the world. When asked about this issue, he said, seems, look at how history repeats itself, subhanAllah. So now the Yahud are asked, who's better? Are we better or they? So the Yahud, look what they say. They said, no, no, no. Of course you're much better than Muhammad and his followers. He said, how? Because Tu'adibun al-Bayt, you, you worship, you, you honor the Kaaba. You uh, take care of the hujjaj who come, you give them water to drink. You uh, slaughter camels, etc. And uh, around the uh, uh, hajj time and you sacrifice. And mashallah, you are worshipping the same gods that your, your forefathers worshipped. So you are closer to the truth than the Muslims. This is exactly what's being said today. 
when people say, who, who's better? Are we or, the, or those Muslims? And the answer is saying, no, you're way better. You know, you guys are just and you care about principles of democracy and freedom, etc. Fulan, fulan. Same thing as history. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about these people. Do you not see those people who have been given a portion of the book? Meaning, Yahud. They've been given Torah. Now they begin to believe in shaitan, false idols, and the false gods. And then they tell the disbelievers, yani the disbelievers of Makkah, that, oh, disbelievers of Makkah, you are more guided than the Muslims. Allah says, those are the people who Allah has cursed. And whomsoever Allah curses, you will never find an assistant. No one will be able to help them. Some of the leaders of Yahud said, some of them, few of them who were understanding the truth, they said, listen, there were two individuals who had come long ago from Baytul Maqdis all the way to Medina. And they were more knowledgeable about Yahudiyyah and Judaism than any of you. And they said that their man, a man named Muhammad is going to come and he is going to come to this city. And we, they asked us to say his salam, our, his, their salam to him whenever he comes because they're not going to be alive. But they told us that he will come and we must follow. And they died and they are buried here in Medina. Why don't you remember those words of those two preachers who had come to us from the holy city of Jerusalem? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They are the people who we have given the book. They know the way they, they know the Prophet the way they know their sons. So they know that this is haq, this is the truth. Lakin, my beloved brothers, when 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 desire for wealth, desire for fame and name, desire for materialism comes in, then we become blinded from the truth. We can't understand anything. The beginning of this battle was that the tribe of Khuza'a, the tribe of Khuza'a, they sent a group uh, to camp out between Makkah and Medina and to block off the routes between Makkah and Medina. Abdullah ibn Ab, I mean, Abbas anhu, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, had already ex accepted Islam before Badr. But he had not expressed his Islam to those who were in Makkah. He stayed in Makkah. He didn't tell anyone he was a Muslim. And he was strategically placed there so he could share the secrets of the Meccans and the plots against Islam and against Rasulullah to Rasulullah And so, subhanAllah. Interesting story. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa that's why I mentioned that if you were to find Abbas, my uncle, don't kill him. So, some of the Sahaba, if not knowing the whole story, or some of the hypocrites, whoever they were maybe, said, oh, he tells us to kill our own. When in battle, we must kill our own son and father, face to face. But when it comes to his uncle, he says, make sure you don't kill him. You see how this badgumani comes in, waswasa, this ill thoughts, such a ajib, this shaitan is so khabis. All the time, you know, he always puts these evil thoughts. Look at Nabi Sallallahu how can he can't even speak up? He, because Abbas anhu is, is Muslim, but his identity is hidden. If the people find out, his cover will be blown. Right? So he's trying to keep that low key. But here he's being accused of trying to defend only his uncle because he loves him and he doesn't mind everyone else being, how everyone else, you know, attacking their own relatives and killing them. This is why. 
you know, we all always, always have to be so careful jumping to conclusions. We must always ask, we must always ask, no matter how obvious, obvious it may seem, something seems like this, let's not assist shaitan and become an enemy of our Muslim brother by entertaining wrong thoughts about him. No matter what we, whatever cross of mind, this person is a show-off, this person is like this, this person is like that. My beloved brothers, anytime you're in doubt, anytime you have questions, just go ask the person. Shaitan kya kata Oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. How can I ask him? He's going to think bad. SubhanAllah, by you not asking and holding all these grudges and evil thoughts about them, that's a thousand times worse for your akhirah. So much worse for you to sit and, have, and harbor evil thoughts. If, you're an, if you have an attitude that you can forget and ignore and move on and not allow it to bother you and not allow you to, to think about that, then okay. But we're not like that. We think about these things. We keep it on our chest and our bosom for years in our mind, always thinking about it. So why don't we just address it when there's an issue? Call, text, meet the person, say, I heard this about you. Or this is what people are saying. What are your thoughts about that? The end of story. Instead of harboring these evil thoughts about, the, about an individual. Let us make niyyah of that. Anytime you hear about something, about someone, please get to the root cause of it. Get to the bottom of it. Otherwise, it can cause a lot of issues. Lot of issues. This is a long, I mean, we can speak about that for a long, a long time, about how many <laughs> incidents have happened in the past and how many incidents are happening now when people don't uh, get to the bottom of things and just share the message or just start thinking about things in their heart. And if you think someone thinks bad about you or there was a reason for someone to have had a evil, had a misconception about you, then yourself go and explain it. To say, just before any misconception may happen, misunderstanding may arise, I wanted to clarify something. So we should be proactive in ensuring that shaitan does not come and put thoughts into each other's mind. You hear what I'm saying? Proactively reach out to people and to say, you may have heard something like this. This is a rumor that's going on. Or, lest shaitan comes and puts this in your, thought, in your mind, I wanted to clarify my position on this. That's why the Prophet said, "Ittaqu tuham." Protect yourself from the places of false accusation. Don't put yourself in a scenario in a place where someone can falsely accuse you of something. Just be far away from that. And in case you find yourself in a place where someone may accuse you, it just happened, then clarify yourself. In the famous hadith of the Prophet when he's walking with Safiya, he's walking with Safiya in the streets of Medina, and it was dark at night, and some of the Sahaba said, "Ya Rasulullah," and then they saw him walking with a lady, and then they backed out. And they moved away. They didn't want to speak to him because he's with the lady. This is the Nabi of Allah. It's nighttime. He's with the lady. Who is, uh, who is it going to be? The Prophet turns around and he says, Inna Safiya. Listen, listen, hold on, hold you. This is Safiya, my wife. And they say, Ya Rasulullah, how could we? Look at the perfect example. He didn't just say, These are my Sahaba. They love me. They care for me. They'll give their life for me. It's not a big deal. He looked at how he proactively thought. I'm in the alley, I'm in a valley of Medina here between you know, some small street, it's nighttime, there's a lady next to me. I don't know, let me just be very clear to say this is no one but my wife. So he didn't think that it was too lowly for him to clarify his position. Very important point. Why should I, why should I explain myself? Come on, I don't do that type of stuff. And I'm sure any of you sitting here, we don't do this stuff, Alhamdulillah, may Allah protect us. But that's the Nabi of Allah. What is the comparison of the whole dunya compared to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? 
If there's anyone who doesn't need to give a you know clarification, it's him. Yet he chooses to stop them, holds them back and says, hey, 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 this is my wife. So if he did it, all of us can do it. None of us should think that this is below our dignity to clarify our position. Does it make sense? Don't think. It's okay. You can say, brother, that money that I took actually did belong to me. You say, oh, why should I clarify that? No, you can. If Nabi Wasallam said that, we can all clarify ourselves. Oh, what did the Sahaba say? They say, Ya Rasulullah, Astaghfirullah, why are you saying this? We would never think about anything like this. Why did you say this? The Prophet ﷺ gave an explanation. I'm not thinking that you're bad people. Shaitan is bad. This, I always say this is my favorite thing, my best statement. People are good, shaitan is bad. People are good, shaitan is bad. Just remember that. People are great. Shaitan is bad. Hate shaitan, don't hate people. So the Prophet ﷺ, he gave an explanation why he held them back. You guys are great. No problem. But inna shaitana Shaitan flows through you the way blood flows through your body. It's not your fault. Just now you go back home, shaitan will whisper, hey, who was with the Prophet? That's why I'm clarifying this. So this is a good point for all of us to also keep in mind. So Abbas radiallahu anhu accepted Islam before Badr and he was in Makkah and he would send news to Rasulullah So now, when Yahud and Quraysh of Makkah had this discussion, Abbas radiallahu anhu heard it all and he sent the message to Rasulullah When the Prophet came to know of it, he gathered all his Sahaba and he made mashura. He is masoom, he's Habibullah, he's protected from sin, from fault. And what is he doing? He is saying, Jalo, give me your opinion. Allah told him, take mashwara from the companions. My dear brothers, if he is a Nabi of Allah, yet he's being told to take advice and consult those who don't receive wahi, then what about you and I? How important it is to consult one another on issues. This is the biggest issue that the youth face today, that they work without mashwara. They don't take anyone's advice. They don't bother to share with even their parents, much less you know their elders, their mentors, their teachers. And after everything is over, they say, okay, fine, we married this person, now we don't get along with her, what should we do? We married this with this guy, he's very different, what should we do? Or a person will say, we've gotten into, the, we've completed our undergrad in this, now I cannot find a halal job, what should we do? Right? I've ended up in this issue, I've ended up in this problem, what should we do? This is problem all throughout our society. People do not consult. Youth do not consult. Parents don't consult their parents. We don't consult people of knowledge. And that becomes a very big problem. If a Nabi is being asked to, by Allah, washawirum, hukum, hukum of Allah, as Amr of Allah, oh Muhammad, I want you to consult them. Then definitely we who do not receive any revelation, besides a revelation from shaitan, then how important it is for us to Ask mashwara and advice. Let us stop being arrogant. Let us stop being what? Arrogant. And to say, I'm going to wing it myself. Because Nabi Alayhi has given us two advice. If you do mashwara and you do istikhara, you will not fail nor will you feel become remorseful. Two things. You will not lose nor will you feel bad if you do two things. One is mashwara and one is istikhara. Make niya. If you don't already do this, that you will do it for every affair, consult and ask. If you don't have to ask some big babaji, just ask your kids. Bring the wife and the kids together and say, let's do mashwara about something. Fine. Do mashwara at home. 
about any issue. What do you want to do? You don't have to call overseas somewhere for everything. Also, certain things we can consult, but just don't think I'm the head of the household, I got it. I know I'm earning money, I can make a decision. Consult op the opinions of the, those who are in our family and, and see what they have to say. And you'll be surprised at what perspective, subhanAllah, sometimes a young child can share. Sometimes a young person can share such a perspective that the elders don't know. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa made mashura that what should we do? The Quraysh, Ghatfan, Khuza'a, and the, you know, all gathering together. Salman Farsi radiallahu anhu gave his mashura. And this is the barakah mashura. He said, O Rasulullah, inna kunna bi ardi faris. We used to be in Persia. Whenever we were intimidated or scared that there's going to be an army coming to attack us, or whenever we found ourselves to be surrounded in an enclosure, we dug up trenches around. This was the Persian way of protecting their bases. So this trench would save us from the army, of the, from the horses of the enemy. The Prophet ﷺ really liked this opinion and they began to, they decided that they're going to do this. The Prophet ﷺ himself went to the Khandaq, to the, to the place of where he had to dig, dig up the trench. Medina had two mountains and between those two mountains was this big passageway to come inside Medina. The Prophet ﷺ decided that this area between the two mountains, which was approximately six kilometers, right, about four miles or so, four-mile region, it's a big, massive area. This entire six-kilometer area needs to be dug up. Six-kilometer area. Just think, Absojo, you know, where is that? Where is that? From here, you know, it's always, it's, it's digging up all the way till, you know, you pass the target on North Avenue. Pass that target, for sure. Just think, right? Uh, more closer to 83, right? So that, that amount has to be dug up. And how, what is the length, what is the depth and the width of it? It's going to be three meters deep. Three, me, um, three meters deep, okay? So we're looking at almost nine, 10 feet. 10 feet deep. And the width of it is going to be seven meters. Okay? So that also a huge amount. Uh, seven meters across in width. And four, uh, about four miles in length. So the Prophet ﷺ made groups and he said, all of you start digging. Remember, there's no caterpillar, no bulldozer, just small shovels and their hands. And the Prophet ﷺ himself is, is with the Muslims in the trenches, as they say, but now not a figure of speech, but literally in the trenches, digging with the Muslims. And this was the tawadu of Rasul ﷺ, the humility that he did not think that he has to be on top and just ordering them to do things. Instead, he himself himself with his honorable body would be in the trenches digging and this is what leadership is about leadership is about khidmah the leader of the people would, especially during journey is the one who serves them the most so leadership is about service if we want to be a true leader then, uh, then we need to be willing to serve I wish all of this could be uh, a model that we could bring into the corporate Muslim corporate world and to show that that's what management is about that's what leadership is about that we do khidmah subhanallah um, so Nabi alayhi salam he instructed the sahaba 
the weather in Medina is very cold, they're very hungry, and they don't have tools. And this was a famine, an era of famine. So some of the Sahaba said, Three entire days were in the trenches digging, and we haven't tasted a single food, piece of food. The Prophet ﷺ, when he saw the difficulty that the Sahaba were going through, it's natural. When you do the work of deen, difficulty will come. But as a leader, we cannot give up. We cannot say, oh my God, this is crazy. Instead, as a leader, we have to encourage people. Imagine how hurt Rasul ﷺ must be to see his Sahaba suffering like this. Allah says, we did the ayah in Surah Ahzab. The Nabi is closer to the believers than they are to themselves. This ma, like the mother, when she sees her son, uh, you know, hungry, she feels the pain more than the son. When a mother sees her daughter, her finger bleeding, cut, the pain is not that much, but the mother feels in her heart more pain than the child is feeling when the blood is bleeding. So Nabi Sallallahu is feeling so much pain that his Sahaba are this. What does he do? He's encouraging them. That's what we all gotta do. When your team, you know, is, is going through a difficult time, then don't give them opportunity to become depressed. Don't give them opportunity to lose hope. Instead, encourage them. So the Prophet والسلام, uh, would quote the, story, the, uh, the poem of Abdullah bin Rawaha, who was one of the Sahaba and poem, poets. And he would say, Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah. He kept on saying this. Oh Allah, there's no life except for the life of Akhirah. The real place to enjoy life is Akhirah. This dunya is about difficulty. Oh Allah, take care of the Ansar and Muhajir. In some other riwayat, what Rasulullah would, would be saying in the trenches, the song in the trenches, the poem in the trenches, Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah, faghfir lil ansara wal muhajira. Allahumma inna al ajra ajra al akhira, farhami al ansara wal muhajira. Allahumma la khaira illa khairu al akhira, fansuri al ansara wal muhajira. Allahumma la khaira illa khairu al akhira, fabarik fil ansari wal muhajira. Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhira, fakrim al ansara wal muhajira. So these are the various lines of the poem. Oh Allah, there's no life besides the life of the hereafter. So forgive the Ansar and Muhajirah. Oh Allah, indeed the real reward is the reward of the Akhirah. So have mercy upon the Ansar and the Muhajir. Oh Allah, there's no blessing except for the blessing of the Akhirah. So assist the Ansar and the Muhajir. Oh Allah, there's no blessing except for the blessing of Akhirah. So give blessing in the lives of the Ansar and Muhajirah. Oh Allah, there's no life except for the life of the Akhirah. So honor the Ansar and the Muhajir. So here you go. You're explaining to the Sahaba that this difficulty is painful, but this is not the real deal. The real enjoyment is coming afterwards. Accept it. You know, this is just part of it. A person is, comes and says, you know, uh, open up this lock. And he's having such a hard time opening up this lock. He's sweating and he's in pain. And you tell him, Bhai, this is not why I called you here for. Behind this lock, behind this safe is a million dollars that I want to give you. So the effort I'm asking you to do is not for this. The effort is what's behind the door. Just be patient. Once you open this safe, you can have whatever's behind that. This is what Rasulullah is telling the Sahaba. That the difficulty you're going through, I know is painful. Mujahadahe is there. But what's going to come from Allah is going to be amazing. My dear brothers, this is the, this, as long as we as a community can push one another towards mujahada, inshallah, there's hope for success. But as soon as we become complacent, and as soon as we start accepting excuses for ourselves and for others, maslahat we've lost it. We cannot accept excuses for our, from ourselves. We, and if someone else gives it, then I'm not saying deny it, but encourage. 
we have to push the level of sacrifice of our communities to the next level. We have to push it up. Someone says, I'm very tired. Someone says, I've already planned. Someone says this. But when the effort of deen, when the requirement of the deen comes, say Bismillah. Right? This past, you know, uh, this past uh, three weeks, I've been traveling into many places and inviting people to the retreat. And this is what I've been encouraging. People will say something or another. And I always tell people, listen, what's at stake here? What's at stake here? It's not food. It's not money. It, this is the deen of you and your children. That's what's at stake here. What other opportunity do you have? What other place in America right now is going to have an event like this in this pandemic? Uh, again and again, I'm telling you, every masjid, every city I go, they're like, brother, please, you know, we, I don't think we can have a program right now. Massive masjid, massive masjids. No, brother, we cannot have any sit-down program. Sit down. I said, okay, I'll stand and speak. No, there's 300 people coming for some of the largest masjids of the country. But no, we don't have sit-down program allowed right now. Maybe you can announce. I said, okay, I'll do announcement after salah. No problem. I'll stand and announce. That's okay. That's exactly what I did. Right? So the idea is that the opportunity of this sort, what we have this coming weekend with a retreat, it's something that's just not found in this year. And we need to encourage people. And we have to give answers to all the various excuses they give. And tell them that if a big you know, if an incident were to happen, would you not pack up and just fly out, drive out, if it meant your life was in danger, your child's life was in danger? Well, here were the issues of Iman. They're, they're promoting this year, they're calling it this year, the, 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 the summer of sin. Whole articles on this. Promoting this year as a summer of sin. This is the year Amul Qada. To make up for all the sin that people were not able to commit last year. And this is hashtag various slogans on Twitter and, 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 and TikTok and others, being promoting various companies that market various tools of sin are using this marketing met, uh, idea that this summer is going to be the summer of sin. So when that is the strategy outside, what should be our strategy? That this has to be the summer of redemption, that we have to make qadha for all the classes that we didn't take last year, for all the salahs that we didn't pray last year in the masjid, for all the programs we couldn't have last year, we're going to make up for that this year. That what, that's the mentality you and I should have. So we cannot simply say, Log Log busy hai. Log ye hai. Wo hai. My beloved brothers, don't accept his excuses. Whether they come or not, you are losing your ground by making yourself so cheap, making the deen so cheap. Make it stay strong, stay committed to say, no, this is what is required, this is what is needed. So every one of you, this is an interjection here, every single one of you is listening to me online. Please make niya, pack up, and come this weekend. Fly here, drive here, bike here, do whatever you need to do. But make sure you're here from you know, Friday, Jum'ah, Salat al-Jum'ah, till Sunday, 5 p.m. A program like this, alhamdulillah, Allah has given us, at this day and age, in, in this pandemic, in this country, is the massive, massive blessing of Allah. And the people by Allah knew, they would come. They would come. They don't understand. They don't understand. And, and we're not understanding because we're very intelligent or very smart or we're very special people. We only are understanding today because Allah has given us some level, small level of faham and understanding. So we should never look down upon anyone. Instead we say, Ya Allah, please, I beg you, do not deprive this faham from me. Do not deprive this understanding, this, the prioritization of deen. Ya Allah, please do not take this away from me. Say Ameen. And then all of those who don't have this, what do they say? What do they say? What do they say? 
Our Hawaii jana ke rada hai. We have Hawaii and okay, brother. No, I'm not saying that. Go, mashallah, you should. But these are these things are so important. Adjust your plans. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. My humble appeal to all of you, that all of whoever is listening to me here, in tafsir online or on site, hundred percent of you need to commit these two days. Don't come for one speech at a time. That's another big big problem. The local people who are sitting to me, you're listening to me right now. Remember that. Don't, don't get fooled by shaitan to say, I'll come in, I'll cruise in for Asar time and leave at Maghrib. I'll come in at, I'll come in at Dhuhr and leave it at, you know, one hour after a talk, after chilling with friends. You come, you meet friends in the parking lot and then you leave and you think you attended the program. How is that? That's not attending the program. Coming here and chit-chatting with friends is not attending the program. You're not going to get anything out of that. Come sit in the main hall, listen to as much as you can, and to, as, as long as you can. That's why a lot of my effort has been out of state. MashaAllah, when those people come, they come full scale. They're flying, driving, and they, then they have nothing else here to do. They come only for the program. And one of them was telling me, he said, I came for your winter intensive all the way from Texas. And he said, I had friends just down the street here. And I'm like, this program is going amazing. Please come. We're enjoying with our family the winter intensive. This is great. This is two years ago. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to come. Come. The whole five days went by. Never showed up. And he's like, we came. We left everything just came to came for this. We benefited so much. But the local people, it's a big problem. So all of you locals who are listening to me, yes, the mujahada for you is hard. You have to chalk out from now that this weekend I'm going to dedicate it over here. I'm going to dedicate it over here. And I'm going to attend this. And Alhamdulillah, I spoke to you about the Sahih Khatm al-Bukhari that's taking place, uh, you know, uh, on Sunday. And I was in, you know, Alhamdulillah, I, I traveled, mashallah, in so many different places. In every place I can have a different story I can spend my tafsir speaking about. But in one of the places in, in the Valley Ranch Masjid, the Sheikh Omar Suleiman's Masjid and Sheikh Yasser Virjas's Masjid, after Isha I spoke there, and subhanAllah there's a crowd probably a little, yeah, bigger than this for sure, but uh, you know, there's women and men, maybe 200 people, 150 people, I'm not sure. But after I spoke, I invited everyone to the retreat. And I said, who's ready? Raise your hand. And Alhamdulillah there's about 30 people, 30 brothers, and they're coming with their family. I know for sure many of them coming with families, because they had told me earlier they're going to come with their families. <clears throat> And then uh, Sheikh Omar was sitting there and I said, okay, inshallah, he has to come too, the Imam, right? And I, then I spoke to him after, I said, Sheikh, I want you to really witness the Khatm al-Bukhari. And I gave him the whole rundown of our program. He looked at his schedule, right? He has a wedding. He has a wedding on Sunday. And what he said, after hearing this, I got to come. He said, they're not my immediate relatives. I can, uh, you know, let them know I won't be able to make it. So mashallah, I'm very happy to say he purchased his ticket, Sheikh Omar Suleiman. And he's also going to be here. Uh, and not as a guest speaker. He's coming here as an attendee because he values what's happening over here. He has a million things to do. You all know how hard it is to, to get to speak to him or to meet him or whatnot. The point is, someone who values and understands it will make sacrifice. And some of us are makiyamar and doing nothing. They're just doing nothing, swatting flies. We're sitting by, I'm busy. You remember there was, there was a joke and a cartoon, Sunday cartoons I read like 20 years ago. One of these, you know, the kids, I forgot which cartoon it was, but the phone is ringing. And the mom's like, you know, son, pick up your phone. And he's just reading the newspaper. And he's like, no, no, no. If I pick it up, people think I, I got nothing better to do. So I'm going to wait till the rings five, six times, then pick it up. All right? So <laughs> that's what it is. The people are not doing anything, especially this year. What's happening in the summer? Nothing. Okay? So we may have, you may have weddings to attend and so forth. But subhanAllah, you can let them know. When people, you know, I just got invited to three of them right now. And I'm not saying that weekend. My answer is, brother, 
if I can, I will, but you know, I will let you know, you know closer to that time. There's a lot of work to do. Some of our closest family, brothers of our community had weddings, and I said, I'm, with all due respect, I love you for the sake of Allah, but what I'm doing is, I think, more important for me, and for you, and for the ummah. Traveling, inviting people towards the deen, that's something which I think is, it takes precedence. If there's an immediate relative, that's a, that's a different thing. And then you do your thing and move, go, like how someone who's, uh, who's doing MCAT preparation, huh? Tell me, I'm asking you, all those boys in, who are, and girls who are, who are preparing for these big exams, do they sit there and attend all the mehndi and this and that? Yeah? They don't know anything. They say, We'll bring a box, some box food for you. Chup chop, basement mein khalo. Sit in the basement and study and eat. That's it. Your MCAT is more necessary. They don't take them parading around weddings. Because dunya ki value hai. There's value for the dunya. So in the matter of deen, why all of a sudden, mashallah, everything comes about. Look at how much in America people travel to the other other end of the country every weekend. Shadi is in California, Walima is in New York, Mendi is in Illinois, and then I don't even know the names of all the other Hindu things that our Muslims do. But whatever those are, for the next seven weeks, they're in seven different states. And people are spending countless money on hotels, cars, you know, tickets, clothing for every single weekend, all that nonsense. Against the Sunnah, Israf, extravagance. When they, and here, mashallah, our event is 100% free. Free food, free registration, everything. So please, we, as locals who are sitting here, I need all of you to commit to be here for all the two days. Raise your hand if you're going to be here for two days. Who's going to be here for the full two days? Keep your hands high. So the ones who didn't rise, say, okay, khalas. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. There's very few, mashallah. I'm sure you're probably working. So see, first of all, if you can get off from work. That's what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You say, should I take off from work? Yes, yes, you should take off from work. If they say no, otherwise you're going to fire, then no. Then no. But if, you would, if, if it's a big day, then why not? Take off from work if possible, and inshallah come. If it doesn't happen, then you immediately from work, without any detours, you come here. Second thing, dear brothers and sisters who are listening online and here in person, I need every one of you for the next two days to make this commitment that you will, especially in Chicago, work on personally calling your family and friends to say you have to come. No questions asked. I, I, you know, admit, I say this with confidence. I mean, I tell people, I said, if your life, if, you're, if you don't get motivated and your life doesn't change, you come here, money back guarantee. Money back guarantee. This is something that's 100% gonna happen. I met over the weekend, I was giving a talk somewhere amongst 20, 30 people in a new city I've never been to. One of the young brothers sitting there, he said, can I say something? I said, yeah, come up. He came up, he said, two years ago, I came to the winter intensive in Darussalam. First time. And he said, it felt like I became like a new Muslim at that time. My life changed. He said, from that environment, even though no one spoke about it, it was more academic topics, I began to use the miswak. I began to sleep, uh, eat on the floor. He comes from, a, he's the convert. He's the only convert in his family, right? And he said, what else happened? He said, I learned from the akhlaq of all the people who are there. My love for the deen increased. And he said, I want to tell you that it's not, you know, this will definitely be a life-changing experience for anyone who goes there. You know, I was so inspired, dear brothers. I came across, you know, multiple 21, 22-year-old young men who some of them had just come here for the winter intensive. Some of them, their friends came. Imagine a 21-year-old, you ask him, what is your dua? His dua is that, please, I've been asking everyone that I get a job near Darussalam. I'm sitting in Texas. But my, I will earn less, I don't have a problem. But I want to live near Darussalam. I want to get a job near Darussalam. Look at the mentality of these 21, 22-year-olds. And we have our own sons who subhanAllah might not even come here once a week. Our local youth might not come. And there's people sitting on the other end of the country wishing that they could be part of this community. 
because they understand and value what is being taught over here. So we don't want to be, as they say, those who are thirsty while they sit on the banks of the river. So this is something, uh, all the youth, mashallah, good number of young brothers here, you all need to work on the alumni. Right? The alumni also, subhanAllah, I don't know, they're sleeping, they don't want to come. Call each one of them, speak to them, go to their house, tell them, hey, come to this retreat. And then call the local people. I was just thinking, Greenbrier and what's the other 53? You know, I know there's a few of you sitting here from those areas. But I go to each house, 50, 60 houses, Muslim homes in one street. The Surrey Drive area, right? Your, your area. Just go to each person and say, Bhai, do you have any idea what's happening at Dar Salaam this weekend? Here's a flyer. Pick them up there in the lobby. Pick them up and say, I'm just asking you to please come. Door to door, this needs to be done. Because there's no, every single flight I took this weekend, they're giving three, four hundred dollar voucher to give up the seat. Obviously, I couldn't because we had next bayan, 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 all this stuff, right? Meaning the flights are overbooked. Airports are overbooked. And the only place that's empty is the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everywhere life has gone to normal. They've closed national parks because of too many people. Many of the national parks have closed because they can't handle the crowds. But the masajid are empty. So this is that weekend. I want you all this weekday, go to your Muslim neighbors. Can we do that? Inshallah. Pick up the flyers in the back. Anyone of you listening from you also listening, pick up the flyers, go to your Muslim neighbors. Don't say, hey, WhatsApp, 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 come on, man. Leave the WhatsApp is not the way to give da'wah. WhatsApp, it doesn't work. You need to go speak to people individually and tell them what's happening. That you have the ilm retreat from Friday Jummah till Friday Maghrib. Four, never this happened in Chicago. Four different organizations, four different ulama from four different organizations addressing academic topics in one masjid. I haven't seen this. Four different representatives from four different organizations, subhanAllah. Academic organizations. Ilmi, Madaris, mashallah. We have Mufti Asr Nadim, we have Mufti Abrar, we have Sheikh Bilal Ansari, right? Darul Qasim represented, Elgin and Darul Ulum online represented, and Darul uh, Dar Ifta Chicago represented, and Darul Salam with Mufti Minhaj being represented over here on Friday, Jummah, till, till Asr Salah. And then after that, the, you know, the dinner for the attendees of the Ilm retreat. And then after Maghrib, the normal retreat begins with Sheikh Amin and Sheikh Tamim. And all Saturday, subhanAllah, we have a, a different mashayikh. We have a, a roundtable discussion interview of various scholars. Well, Mullah Hamza Maqbud will be here. Dr. Sheikh Omar Hussaini will be here uh, from Tampa. Um, and then as we come closer towards the day, evening, Asr time, we'll have Arabic program. Uh, Sheikh Ibrahim, uh, nah, Sheikh uh, Jafar Hawa, the Imam of Orland Park Prayer Center. He's going to be, inshallah, come here and Arabic slash English talk for Jafar Hawa. And then we'll have the dinner and followed by a Quran night. Remember the Quran night we had here? So we have Sheikh, uh, you know, many Qurra, including Sheikh Hassan Saleh from New Jersey, and local Qurra, Sheikh Ibrahim and Sheikh Nasir, etc. Along with Sheikh Abbas with Nasheed and, uh, you know, Tilaw of the Quran. One of the senior ulama of this country, Sheikh, uh, um, subhanAllah, from Qari Ilyas, Qari Muhammad, Qari, uh, Qari Muhammad Ilyas from. Michigan, who runs a madrasa, his one, his, one of the largest and most famous madrasas of Pakistan, he's principal of, his son is principal of in Faisalabad. So he's been teaching Bukhari Sharif for decades. He is going to be coming here. He's going to be giving a talk in Urdu, right? Uh, when, you know, we know, when, when you, we know when you value such people, after we hear the janazah notice. After we hear the janazah, oh, gosh, yeah, I wish I had met him. I wish I'd gone see him. That's not, I'm just talking about generally, that's our mizaj. When people die, then we say, oh, I wish we had heard his lectures. SubhanAllah, all these ulama are coming to our town, to our masjid. We should value every single one of them. Lest tomorrow we say, oh, I wish I had met them. Oh, no, we're all going to die. One day they will die too, before us or after us. And then we, Allah forbid, we'll say, I wish I had benefited. I can't believe he came to Darussalam. And I was just down the street and I didn't go visit him. 
and I don't want, I didn't go, you know, meet him. Similarly, we'll have separate females talks in Urdu and English, right? So that will be happening. Then we have a bonfire for girls and bonfire for boys at different times, and that will be led by you know late night talks with Sheikh Saab Qadri, Sheikh Omar Hosseini, you know, around you know around the around the marshmallows and s'mores and whatever stuff for the girls too. Mashallah, this is first time we're having this uh, a bonfire for the girls with their female speakers and, and so forth. And then night we'll have. Uh, uh, you know, basketball tournaments for the boys and girls. The girls, I think it's during the day. The schedule will be released fully tomorrow. And then inshallah, ta'ala, the nights are like Ramadan. We have Hezbul Alam, Tahajjud, Dua. This is the perfect, because no one's going to sleep in the night, right, Aman? Huh? No one's going to sleep. So actually, people would sleep in my Fajr Bayan. Remember that? In Itikaf? And then after that, till 10 a.m., no one sleeps like, oh, subhanAllah. So mashallah, the youth, they, they're not going to sleep. So the night here, we have Ibadah throughout tonight. Good discussions with the various scholars sitting here. You can sit and make mashallah with them, ask them whatever you want. Alhamdulillah. And then on Sunday morning, the graduation programs will begin. We have our Hibs graduation. We have our Qirat Sabah graduation. Qirat Ashara graduation. Qirat Ashara Kabir graduation. Ashara Kabir means 14 riwayats. 14 riwayah, 10 riwayah, 7 riwayah. And then Hafs, yani Quran, <laughs> Quranic memorization. And then high school. And then Sunday after Dhuhr will be the Khatm al Bukhari, the final hadith by Sheikh Hashim Ahmad who is the most, one of the most, if not the most, senior like revert scholar in the entire country. Convert scholar, except Islam in the early 70s, been teaching hadith for decades. Inshallah, he'll be here. Um, so this is the program. Looks exciting, right? right? It'll be, inshallah, one of a kind. So I need all of you. Your the important thing is you go take my, what I just shared with you. Go invite all your neighborhoods. Invite your neighborhoods. Tell them you have to, have to come here and benefit from this. Second thing, on Thursday, I request everyone to, to fast. It's, it's a little bit challenging, but that's where the help of Allah will come. Remember I just said, mujahada. That's where this whole discussion went off. I have to ask you that. You're not gonna say it, but how can you say it's so hot, it's so difficult. That's what we gotta do. If we, as, if we cannot do mujahada, then how can we create mujahada in other people? We should all be fasting on Thursday. Ask your moms, your sisters to fast. Ask your wives to fast, right? Make an environment at home. Why is everyone fasting? Well, because we're making dua for Allah's Nusra to come for this program. We're making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this program a life-changing experience for my family. That's why we're all fasting. Okay? Then pray two rakat salat al-hajjah. You got three nights. Every night before you go to bed, pray two rakat salat al-hajjah. And make dua for your business. But also make dua for the program to say, Allah, make this a success. Then we have khatm al-Qur'ans we're doing on our volunteers group. Right? Recite whatever Qur'an you can do and make dua. So these are the few things. What do we learn from here? The qubuliyah and assistance of Allah comes through a'mal. Through a'mal, not, not through anything else. The more a'mal we do, the more qubuliyah. If you want to come and do i'tikaf here on Thursday night, you're more than welcome to. There are many brothers who are already arriving from out of town on Thursday night in i'tikaf. We'll begin at Darussalam on Thursday night. So if any of you would like to come and bring your bistar over here and you use the night of Jum'ah for dua, I really love that. We could sit here and we could make, uh, you know, do some khatams of Quran and tahajjud and cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think that's something I would love. Any of the youth here ready for that? Thursday night? Who's ready to come Thursday night? Raise your hand high. Okay, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. TK. So Thursday night is a night of crying. That's how it should be. Thursday night, the night, subhanAllah, we had a beautiful group before grand opening. It was an amazing environment. We had, alhamdulillah, a group of 20 brothers here. It was so peaceful to see how much dua and, and crying was made the night before the grand opening here. Two nights in a row. It was, you know, when you see stuff like that, then you say, who cares how many people come? Inshallah, be successful. Right? When you see young people staying up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at 3 a.m. So we want to see that. We want to see, inshallah, if you are able to bring your other brothers. But this is the night of dua and ibadah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept that. Subhanallah. 
So we were speaking about Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Similarly, he encouraged his Sahaba and he made dua for them. And he used whatever ways he could to make sure that their morals remained strong. And one of the other poems that is related that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or war, war songs if you want to call it, that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, he, his, he, mud had covered his whole body, his stomach, with, with dirt as he was digging. And he was saying the following statement: "Wallahi lawlallahu mahtadina, wala tasaddaqna, wala sallina, faanzilan sakina alayna, wathabit alaqdam in laqina. Inna alula qad bagaw alayna, ida arado fitna abayna, abayna, abayna." He says, "Wallahi, imagine in the Prophet's voice how must it must have sounded? Wallahi, if it wasn't for Allah, we would have never been guided. Sabse pehli chiz." If it wasn't for Allah, we would have never been guided. Who's saying this? Nabi Sallallahu is quoting Abdullah ibn Rawaha and saying this poem. Only through the, we're digging here. If it wasn't for Allah, we would not have been guided. Number two, if it wasn't for Allah, we would have not been able to give charity, nor would he have been able to perform salah. فَأَنزِلًا O Allah, so bring sakina upon us. Descend sakina upon us. وَثَبِّتِ الْأَقْدَامَ إِنْ لَاقِينَ And O oh Allah, when we face the enemy, keep our feet firm. Keep our feet firm when we face the enemy. Indeed, our own relatives have transgressed against us. Indeed, our own relatives have transgressed us against us. Whenever they intend to cause fitna, we refuse to accept that. We refuse to accept that. Mean, and then Rabbi Sallallahu raised his voice and said that three times. Meaning we will, we will refuse to fall into the traps of the, of the, uh, of the disbelievers. So uh, Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu, he was a young boy. He was digging. Subhanallah, kya manzar hoga. He's little kid digging, bichara, he's hungry, cold, tired, and he fell asleep. Nabi sallallahu looked at him and he said, Ama ghulam. This is a very good boy. The Prophet praised him. He's praising, encouraging the Sahaba, saying nice words to each one. He said, this is a very good boy. And he fell asleep. Then what happened? Ammara bin Hazm radiallahu anhu came and took his armor and his sword was playing with him you know when people fall asleep people do stuff so Ammar ibn Hazm he came and took his saman so when he woke up he got scared where is my sword where is my shield the Prophet said Ya Aba Raqad the Prophet is joking with him Raqada means to fall asleep Aba Raqad the father of sleeping he's been saying you fell asleep in the bell in the in the trench our ustads used to say, Talaba, ye mil Students, they just fall asleep wherever. Such, and this used to happen. The Hivs kids and the other kids too, the little ones in Fajr Salah, Bichara. They used to be so tired, poor kids, 4, 4.30 a.m. for Fajr. And right, they'd have class, an hour class before Fajr. An hour class before Fajr in boarding school in Darlam Zakaria. So they would be praying their Salah. And then in Tashahud, Lurakre. No idea. Ab salam bi, Imam says, Salam, Tasbibi hogi. We're about to do dua. Abna is looking, what's, what's going on? Wait, hold on. Everyone, what? Everyone is reading Quran? Everyone's doing tasbih? Okay, so now we gotta quickly do that quick salam. Sometimes we would see the people, many of them would in sajda would not wake up. Do you say, mashallah, khushu, khushu, sajda? Imam, how, what kind of khushu is this? Second sajda is done, tashahud is done, dhikr is done, dua, you're still, still in sajda. And then you elbow and then he wakes up, like, oh, what's going on? So our ustaz used to say, you know, that talaba, they can fall asleep anywhere. And when I, when, when, as I said this story, I remember another story. Hazrat Mufti Radha'ul Haq. Damud Barakatuh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him long life and health. May Allah save him from any sickness. May Allah grant him shifa. He one day, one day, he told me while we were at breakfast, he, he became teary-eyed. 
which he would never be like that. He became teary-eyed as he, as he shared the story with me. And he said, last night we were sitting, Thursday night. Thursday night we used to do Duru Sharif like we do over here. Salawat. He said, I was sitting and the student next to me fell asleep. We got 600 students all doing Duru Sharif out loud. And then after the Hazrat Mufti Sahib would make the dua on the microphone. So he said, but talaba kahin bhi so jate He said this first. Talaba to kahin bhi so jate Talaba fall asleep anywhere. The student next to me, in salawat, he fell asleep. And in salawat, he had a vision of Rasulullah sallallahu And the Prophet sallallahu was saying salam to Hazrat Mufti Sahib. So that's why Mufti Sahib started crying as he shared this story with me. He said, you know, students can fall asleep anywhere, but look what a beautiful sleep this was. During salawat, he fell asleep. He had ziyarah of Rasulullah and Rasulullah sallallahu is extending his salam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people of love of Rasulullah. Make us the people who, who are blessed with such muhabbat, with such ittiba' that we are blessed with the gift of seeing Rasulullah sallallahu Say ameen. Alright. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Oh Abu Raqad, you fell asleep. That your, 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 your uh, armor also went away. Someone took it. Then the Prophet sallallahu said, Who has knowledge of this child's uh, you know, sword and uh, armor? Ammar radiallahu anhu stood up and said, Anna, I took it, Ya Rasulullah, it's with me. The Prophet sallallahu said, give it back. And then the Prophet sallallahu said, it is not befitting for a Muslim to intimidate and to scare his Muslim, fellow Muslim. At this time, he said this, at this famous hadith. Meaning, do not, do not startle a Muslim. Meaning, sometimes as a joke, a person may take someone's passport. Someone take a person's wallet. And that person is worried running around for it. So this is not munasib. This is not befitting for us to joke around with our fellow Muslim like this. To take away something which is part of his basic necessities and to think that to make him very worried. So many such incidents happen in this, in this uh, battle. We have just started speaking about the various incidents. Inshallah, we will continue with Allah's fadl uh, next week as well, um, hopefully. And, we, and our, uh, like I said last week, Please continue to come with istiqama, but don't just come yourself. Try to bring a few other brothers or sisters on site, insha'Allah, uh, to, to the tafsir on Tuesday night, insha'Allah. Let's do a few moments of dhikr, insha'Allah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 
الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله الله لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خير محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة
حي على الصلاة حي على الفلا حي على الفلا الله أكبر الله أكبر لا الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين 
لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأنت حل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في كبد أيحسب أن لن يقدر عليه أحد يقول أهلكت مالا لبدا أيحسب أن لم يره أحد ألم نجعل له عينين ولسانا وشفتين وهديناه النجدين فلقتحم العقبة وما أدراك ما العقبة فك رقبة أو إطعام في يوم ذي مسغبة يتيما ذا مقربة أو مسكينا ذا متربة ثم كان من الذين آمنوا وتواصوا بالصبر وتواصوا بالمرحمة أولئك أصحاب الميمنة والذين كفروا بآياتنا هم أصحاب المشأمة عليهم نار مؤصدة الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها والسماء وما بناها والأرض وما طحاها ونفس وما سواها فألهمها فجورها وتقواها قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها كذبت ثمود بطغواها إذ بعث أشقاها فقال لهم رسول الله ناقة الله وسقياها فكذبوه فعقروها فدمدم عليهم فدمدم عليهم ربهم بذنبهم فسواها ولا يخاف عقباها الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله الله أكبر الله
الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله 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 سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله الله أكبر الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Dear brothers, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. A few announcements, inshallah, as we have about two days left for uh, the guests to arrive from across the country, inshallah, to, for the retreat. There's a few things I'm requesting the locals, inshallah, to do. Um, we have tomorrow evening, Wednesday, after Salatul Asr, we'll have our final volunteers meeting. If you may not have been able to participate before, but I'm requesting you to please pray Asr here tomorrow, all of us here and see what, how we can, uh, inshallah, plug ourselves in into one of the khidmah teams. Uh, there's a medical team, there's a pick-up and drop-off from the airport team, there's a hospitality team, there's a concierge service for the out-of-state brothers and sisters, there's the uh, uh, food serving, there's a the food purchasing, there's, a, there's the, obviously the uh, book stall, um, there's so many different things that go on, the parking and security, loads and loads of different departments that will all need to be staffed. Alhamdulillah, we have some volunteers, but we definitely need more. So we request everyone, inshallah, to be here tomorrow at Asr. Per se, perchance you're not able to do so, reach out to Usman Bai, myself, or any one of us here, inshallah, that you know, and say, okay, I'm not able to be here at Asr, but I, want to, I would like to volunteer or put it on the volunteers group. Second thing, inshallah, 
is that we will open up for Atikaf here on Thursday evening. They have many brothers who are already coming and arriving here on Thursday night. So I request some of the local students and brothers as well to make niyyah to make Atikaf on the night of Jum'ah here at, with us in the masjid with the niyyah of inshallah making dua. Spend the night of Friday in the house of Allah in Atikaf and let's cry together, make dua together that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this humble effort of this whole community and make this effort uh, a means of our salvation and the means of guidance for all those who are coming and all of, all of our families, inshallah. So that I would request, inshallah, those who are able to come here Thursday night, please do so. Um, also on Thursday, we are encouraging ourselves, our wives, our daughters, our sons, our families, etc., to please fast. Mondays and Thursdays, Sunnah of the Prophet to fast. But now we will fast specifically, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help to, for qubuli and acceptance and protection of this event from any type of trouble. So this is what we need to do is we do an action then we make dua so let us make a habit you know for any big event we have or any big issue in your life fasting is a very powerful way to attract Allah's mercy so Thursday the students also will be done with their exams and the outside community also we request inshallah to fast on Thursday and make lots of dua at the time of iftar and then also do itikaf here if possible um, then if we have not registered yet for the event Please do so, it's free, but it helps us prepare for the food. We do not know how many exactly are becoming and it messes up our food count. So if you have not registered, please take a second to do it on our website, masjidds.org, and just register for all the family members who are coming so, and let us know which meals you're there for so that we can make proper arrangements. Additionally, we have hundreds, alhamdulillah, of brothers from across the country that are coming. And it's, I just received a message of an elder, president of a big masjid there in Michigan, in uh, Colorado. I just got a message, subhanAllah, he's going to be driving all the way from Denver in his mid-70s, right? So we have uh, 60, 70 brothers from Seattle, 50, 60 from Denver, uh, maybe about 100 plus from Texas, uh, and then many from, you know, uh, Las Vegas, which, and uh, Texas, which is uh, Phoenix, etc., Tampa, Miami. Large number of brothers are coming. And they're going to come, inshallah, here the whole time. We want to make sure that they are uh, taken care of. So as, as hosts, we need, one person cannot do this. We need all of your participation. We need you to please give your time to, to these two days dedicated to the masjid. Ideally, bring your bistar and bedding over here and spend the night here so that you fully benefit. If you want to recreate Ramadan and you've been missing Ramadan, inshallah, ta'ala, the nights and the days of this event will remind you of Ramadan. We'll have, you know, tahajjud and Hizbul Adam and other things like we did in Atikaf, we'll have it in the night here as well. So I encourage you to dedicate these two days, two and a half days directly to the program, the retreat. Friday at 10 a.m. we'll start the open house for all the programs. So any of you local people, brothers who are interested to know, is your son or daughter able to benefit from one of the programs, new ones that we're starting? You can join us inshallah for the brothers at 10 a.m. on Monday morning. I'm sorry, Friday morning. And then after Jum'ah will be the knowledge retreat all the way till Asr. And then dinner for them. And then after Maghrib, inshallah, the re normal retreat will begin. And the graduations will be on Sunday. So this is the basic schedule. Tomorrow we'll be releasing the detailed schedule. So to wrap up, Thursday, to tomorrow is Wednesday. Asr, Asr is the volunteer meeting. We need 100 brothers. We have about you know, 50 or so now. We need still the rest of you to join us. Uh, fast on Thursday. Do i'tikaf here on Thursday night if possible. Dedicate the remaining full weekend to be here, to serve and to benefit. And lastly, please invite your neighborhood brothers and sisters from your neighborhood. Many of you are coming from neighborhoods where there's 50 Muslim houses. Pick up a flyer from the lobby, please. Drop it off at each of those houses. 
and then send them a message if you know them personally to say, please, we would like you to come and benefit from the programs. There's babysitting, there's registration, there's no cost, food is no cost. Everything, alhamdulillah, has been provided here. They just need to drive one, two miles and come and attend. We're ready for this, inshallah? Zakallah khair.